Turning your Bibles to the book of Acts, I'm going to be doing a series on the book of Acts, uh, some, some selected chapters, and I'm going to be challenging the church. And it's already been kind of talked about today, and we've been dealing with the Great Commission. Good to see you, Bernard. Dealing with the Great Commission, and today we're going to take the first five verses of Acts and deal with that Acts chapter 1. And then I'm going to also read um, passages from, from Luke chapter 1 and give some history. I'm going to do, be doing more teaching. Well, I normally do teaching, teaching today. And so I want you to follow along with me. <clears throat> I would like for you to, as I pray, I would like for you to actually stand. If you would stand, if you would, please, as I pray. Today, Lord, we are amazingly grateful to you for the privilege of being able to look into your word. We pray that your word will not only sink deep into our lives, but that it will help us to be obedient and not disobedient to your word. The word of God is to be honored, it is to be followed. It gives life, it is life. And we pray that when we get the true picture of what Christ did, that we, Lord, will put it into action. We do love you, we honor you, we thank you for this tremendous opportunity that we have to be able to come to you and thank you for all that you're doing. Bless the word, bless the servant, bless the hearers today. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> then I want you to also turn in your Bibles and hold, in your, hold if you would, in the place uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read that as a background. Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4. <clears throat> in the book of Acts, and I want to make sure that um, ushers that we have a card, visitors packet that we give to, I need to get information. We've already done that? Okay. I'm going to make sure that we collect that. <clears throat> Today as we, we delve into this, the book of Acts, we're going to be doing, spending some time uh, doing some expository preaching and teaching verse by verse on Acts. I'm thinking right now the Lord, what it, where I'm looking at is the first maybe seven chapters um, of Acts. I'm going to be spending some time going through this part. The Sunday school recently, not too long ago, went through, the, through Acts, starting in chapter 9 as we looked at the life of Paul. Now I'm going back as we've been dealing with um, Good Friday service, the birth, well, the death of Christ, we know that he was born, but the death of Christ, the resurrection, and we'll be dealing with this portion today. So we'll be spending time here. So I'm asking you to also prepare to read ahead, begin to read the first uh, six chapters or so of the book of Acts, begin to look at what the Lord is doing. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, I'm going to be reading the first five verses, and it reads, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he prepared himself, or excuse me, presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It says, <clears throat> Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully, note this, carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. As a title that I'm giving this is preparing to do the work I was called to do. Preparing to do the work I was called to do. I was sharing this morning with the Sunday school that I went to a birthday party in Sacramento yesterday. I hadn't been to the boys' house ever since they moved here 13, 14 years ago. And had a chance to go down to a surprise birthday party for Warren Boyd. Um, they had uh, quite a few people there from the church, but it was just Absolutely wonderful, gorgeous day. <clears throat> so when I get there and pull up, Rosie Caraway had just had, was in front of me. She had already parked. For those who know Rosie, it's Rosie. Um, and I was told it started at two. It started at three, but um, I got a text in too. So when I pulled up, Warren was just pulling out, and they were sending him on on an errand to go have the go the dog groomed. So. My car window the tenant, so I don't think he saw me. I didn't know. I'm thinking it's, you know, three. So, Rosie, do you think he saw you? I said, I don't know. That was Warren. I said, I don't know. I was looking over here, so hopefully he didn't. But he didn't. So we get there, go inside and doing some things. And when people started coming in, they were going to have it in their backyard. And so people to bring their own chairs and whatnot. And people gathered. Well, when Warren got back, about 340, and they told the groomer, take as much time as you need. <laughs> take extra time. So Warren gets back to the house, and there's a person by the gate because they're going to be directing him to the back. They're looking through the gate and telling all the people, and you know, everybody's now standing. And they're counting down when he's coming to the gate. So when Warren steps through, everybody says, surprise, happy birthday. Warren literally almost fell over person had to help him out. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, he's about to have another heart attack. <laughs> he started shaking and literally had to rush and give him some water. He was that surprised. And I could see Mary saying, oh, Lord. <laughs> so you're talking about a surprise birthday party. That's a surprise birthday party. <laughs> and he was just standing there. I'm on the side seat saying, wow, wow. He couldn't believe it. And he kind of helped him over. But it was a little scary, <laughs> you know hate to have, you know, the surprise and thinking, hmm, <laughs> you know, Warren didn't make it through his birthday. <laughs> so while we're there, we had a great time. Sister Mary told Renee that was at Miles, and she said, you know, Renee, I want to have a service as well. So I went to music there, and so she had a little keyboard there. They took it outside and 
So Renee, LaWanda, Shirley, LeVette, Retha, we sang some of the old songs from years ago and songs from, you know, current, but most of the songs from the past. And you know Paul Johnson was there, so Paul sang Sweet Jesus. Um, um, Warren sang Because He Lives. <laughs> so it was wonderful. And now at that time, I wasn't playing the piano. I was used to play the drums. And uh, the drums used to be right up here. And uh, so the songs, some of the songs I didn't play, but because I played by ear, I was able to pick up. I knew most of them. I sang them all, but didn't play them all before. But it was so wonderful being able to reflect back and to think back. But let me just say this as I end. I went there to have be a blessing to warm, but ended up being ministered to. Now, I was only going to go there for a couple of hours. I didn't leave until after 8.30. <laughs> and when I was about to leave, Maceo, Wanda's husband, said, we, you know, we want to pray for you because we know what's happening. We've heard it. And uh, so they gathered around and they prayed. And not only did they begin to pray, then they began to minister. And so after, I'm thinking it'll be a two-minute, three-minute event, I'm there another 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> but there was a reason for me to be there as well. And sometimes you don't know what God has in store, what he's doing, the ministry, and just the things that he's doing in one's life. <clears throat> and so I, I was telling me, I went back, there's a reason why I'm going. And on that Friday night, she was going to go and decided, you know, it might be too much, and she stayed. And actually, it was probably better that she didn't go, because we were both going to go down, because it was going to be a, it was very long. <laughs> very, very long. So I didn't get back to about 1035. Um, but it was all worth it. And began to think, when you look at the body of Christ and you begin to look at ministry, ministry is not only ministering to those on the outside, but it's ministering to the body of Christ. I never would have known what was in it for me and what I needed if I hadn't been there. And the Lord allowed me to go, and the saints of God, it was a blessing. We had a blast, thinking just a blast for those who know Daniel and Mary and the boys and no cat Paul and Carol and you know just just they they all used to be members here and just it was wonderful. Now, when we're not in the place where we're supposed to be, we miss our blessing. We give excuses of why I'm not ministering, why I'm not even going to Sunday school or even Bible class. I don't go because whatever the reason you fill in the blanks. You're not being in the place where God has called and told you to be. You're missing what God has for you. And one of the things that the Lord has laid on my heart as we look at Acts, and we dealt with it last week, even when we were looking at the Great Commission, in order to be obedient to the Word of God, one is called to fulfill the Great Commission, and it involves some things that one has to do. And one of the things that God is showing me in this passage, we began to go through it, is that it requires the teaching of the Word of God in order to be effective when you go. Because if you go in your own strength and in your own power, you will not be effective. You will fail every single time. And the Lord didn't tell you to, you determine what the results are going to be. He said, you go and I will go with you. The moment that you and God team up, you automatically become a majority. 
And so if you find yourself involved in other things when God is saying, this is the time where you're supposed to be, and you're saying, i got other stuff to do, i got to go to work, i got other stuff. God is saying that there's a time for all things under the sun. There's a time to sleep, a time to eat, a time to, all these things. But if we're never in a place to where God has called us to be, then it allows the enemy access to areas of our life, and it allows you, in essence, when trouble comes, to not, to not succeed, but to fail in the trial. Because you're not getting the strength in the teaching that God calls for. Luke is the author of the Gospel of the Book of Luke, as well as the author of the, of the Book of Acts. His book had been known as Luke Acts. Luke slash Acts. They were two books together. Early on, the Gospels, Matthew... Mark, Luke, and John, they were all basically in the church, in the synagogue. They were books that were always kept together. They didn't have the Internet. We don't have We can download apps. We can download the scriptures today on our computers. And many people today will, what, what version do I need? I'll, what's the best version? And I'm I got it right here. <laughs> At the tip of our fingers, we have access to all of it. They didn't have this back then. They had a pen that they dipped in ink, and they wrote it out on papyrus. They wrote it out. They prepared this. And then what they would do, they would roll it up in scrolls, and then they would pass it on. So when Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written... These books comprise the Gospels, and they would travel to the different synagogues when teachings would be done, but it was always used as a unit. Somehow Luke and Acts got separated, and so Acts is after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you have the book of Acts. But initially when they were written by Luke, it was Luke and Acts together. So Acts is a follow-up of the Gospel of Luke. It is a companion to what he had already written before. If you were to unroll the scrolls, the normal length of a scroll was 35 feet. So when that scroll was unrolled, it was 35 feet. You can imagine how long and how over time the tattering and the writing, it took a lot of work to do this. Luke is a medical doctor. And it is said that in his writings that the Greek that Luke used was of such quality it was considered to be the highest quality his writing. It superseded all of those in his day. So when Luke wrote, it was very, very polished. And when you, you read the book of Luke and you read Acts, the details that goes into his book, into his writings, is evident by his background as being a medical doctor. You see, with him being a medical doctor, Luke was into investigating and making sure that he had the facts and he had the information. Today, what some people will do is this, you know, they go on hearsay, such and such a person said, and they don't go investigate what, if it's true or not. 
They just take it at that person's word. Eat it up as, as morsels. And then spit it out as if it's true. And so we take some things that are rumors and pass it on as if it's true. I've heard something, and this is no joke. I heard something said. It can be mercy, it can be anywhere, but it happened to just be a mercy city. Before I got home, and I'll tell you this before, I got a call. I heard, is this true? And I'm saying in the matter of an hour of getting home, that information was I'm driving down the freeway a couple of weeks after that time by a person who had not had a chance to see me. He saw me because I was on my way to prayer. And he pulled into the parking lot and asked me, is this true? No. I've had that happen with several different things. So the issue is that when one gets information, what goes into the investigation of it? What do we do to check information out? Now, it may be true that what you hear is absolutely true. But in Luke's case, what he did is that he carefully investigated every matter that he wrote about. Luke was one of Paul's traveling companions. According to tradition, it is believed that Luke interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus. When he got information and spoke about things that he needed to write about is that he went directly to the source. Of all the great historians, Josephus is one, and others that are uh, writers of history, not one of them has been scrutinized as Luke has been. When you look at all the great historians that scholars and theologians go to, none have been scrutinized like Luke. And none have been confirmed as to the accuracy as Luke. When a person who was an atheist began to search Luke to prove him wrong, let me look into it, he was converted. When he searched the evidence and looked into the information, he became a Christian. Because he was able to verify the historicity of what Luke was writing. This is here guided by the Holy Spirit. And the writer did his due diligence in searching out the information to make sure it was credible and correct. It does not make a difference what you think or what you don't understand. It is what God has said and it is, Lord, if you said it, how do I go about is in, in making sure that not just understanding it, but accepting it even by faith? There are some things that the Bible says only comes through faith. In fact, the Bible says those that come to God must believe first that he is and that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. The Lord is not, he is not bothered by a person who says, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm having a problem with my belief. Even said in the Bible, one of them says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm having a struggle with this, Lord. Help. God ain't put off by that. Amen. He's okay with your questioning. It's good because he knows that a person is searching and they just don't get it. We all have been there. We all still are there. Not, not one person understands everything about the Bible. 
And so God is not intimidated when you have a question for him. Luke's writing have been gone through with tenacity, as I said, to discredit them, discredit the word. But he's been proven correct time and time again. Wasn't enough for him to just follow hearsay. He told Theophilus, I'm going to write to you. We're going to look at him right now. Luke addresses the books of his, of the writings of his books, Luke and Acts. He addresses it to a person by the name of Theophilus. The name of Theophilus means one who loves God or a lover of God. Break down the word, Theophilus. Theos means God. T-H-O-S in the Greek, it means God. Theos is the name for God. Phileo is the Greek name means to love. Theophilus is a lover of God or one who loves God. When some have written and read the book of Acts and they've read this the history of Luke and then read the Gospels, some have said, well, because of his title of Theophilus, some have tried to generalize generalize, excuse me, and say that, well, it was written to the church because it's dealing with those who love God. Okay? One could say that, however, the difference here is that when a writer was writing, they would write their their information to a person. So it was not written initially just to the body. It was written to Theophilus by the title by which, Paul, by which Luke says, Oh, most excellent. Because he specifically said most excellent, Theophilus, history says that it's because of that phrase he was writing directly to a person who evidently they believe was a Christian who had a high position. He addressed both of his books to this person, this lover of God, this man who was loved by God. He addressed both books to Theophilus, Theophilus, lover of God. Luke writes in his book of the Gospels, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. If you read what we read, he says, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And when I was looking at this, it caught me and said, wow. He was focused on not only the teaching, but he emphasized two things. That Jesus also went. There were things that Jesus did. He says, I'm writing about not only what Jesus said, but also the events that he also was involved in doing. Today, many people want to come to church, but there's nothing past the pew that people will then get themselves involved with in regards to going out. Do you not know that the church was transformed and turned around by a handful of people? The history of the church begins, as we note, in Acts. And the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit for the direct purpose of bringing other people into the body of Christ. But the commission in Matthew 28 that we dealt with was that they were to go into all the world. The Bible says that he says, I am sending you, go into the world. You are to make disciples. 
You are to baptize and you are to teach. There were four things in Matthew 28 that we talked about that the Lord said they were to do. And then he picks up right here in Acts again and emphasizes now the teaching and the doing and what the Lord is commissioning them to do. Now remember, the, during the time of the crucifixion, the disciples ran and were in hiding. The women were at the cross. And I don't know have any history for this. It just came to my mind just now. I'm going to say it. Possibly because of their faithfulness for being at the cross and their desire to go to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, to put the spices on, the Lord revealed himself to them first. Then he sent them to go tell his disciples. And so he sends the women to go. And then when the angel tells them in Matthew, I want you to go tell my disciples to meet me in the place I told them to go. And that was Galilee. And then the Lord meets the women and tells them the same thing. Tells them, confirms what the angel said and said, tell them to meet me in Galilee. The place that I told them to go when I rose from the dead. So now we are at a place to where Luke given this information, and in the first chapter, in these first few verses, we see the outlining of how Luke begins to prepare and talks to Theophilus about why he's writing and what Jesus began to do before he ascends back to the Father. Teachings and the doings of Christ. If we are not following Christ in his actions, then who are we following? What are we doing if it is not Christ that we're following? Do you remember the 70 that Jesus sent out? He said, I'm sending you out, and I want you to go, and I want you to teach and preach and tell the people the word of God. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when these disciples went out, they said, man came back, that man, even the demons are, are being cast out. Even they listened to us. And Jesus said to them, Don't marvel, get so excited over this, but that your names are written in the book of life. But there were the 70 that Jesus had sent out. He had them to go out and to preach. He sent them out teaching them. He gave them instructions. He taught them, and then he sent them out. It was clear because of this that they made themselves available to the teaching of what Christ said. Because if they hadn't, they then could not be sent out. The commission of the church is to go out into the world. That's our job. That's our purpose. is to take the word of God, and that's how the church actually began to spread. The word spread and the church spread, and we'll get into that part later on. In the last 40 days of Jesus' ministry on this earth, he appeared to his disciples several times and he taught them. This last 40 days actually flamed into action what he had been training them to do for all the, uh, the previous years, those three years. This last 40 days solidifies what he is teaching them or what he had taught them all along. And now it comes to this point. It's like when a person 
is coming to the end of their life, and they say, I have some things I want to share. We listen intently when that person has something to say because we know these are their final words. And so we listen with the anticipation to that we're going to carry out and do what they have. And so, therefore, there's something that's important. Even when a person is in the hospital or a person is near death, whatever the case may be, a person will say, I got to go see that person. I want, to, I want to see them. I want to talk to them. Their words are so important that we want to get to them or we want to spend time. The disciples, now before Christ goes back to heaven, are in a place. They've been gathered. They've been called. Although they were scattered, they are now together at the place where he says, for the place where he had told them to go. And he teaches them and he taught them then. He's going to go. Now, let me move on. In these 40 days that Christ appeared, there's something I want you to note. It reveals a continuous revelation of Jesus to them that he really rose from the dead. During the 40 days that he appeared to the disciples, it was an indication that not only one time, now to see a person that rose from dead one time, that'd be like, wow, spooky enough. But to see this person over time, it was a convincing proof that what he said is correct, and we are seeing him. It is true. And he taught them. In fact, the, the interesting thing is that because he was seen by so many people, you're talking about being in the courtroom and having a witness? Sometimes it's hard to find one witness. Two? Three? I don't know. But over 500? You can't fabricate stories when so many people have seen you. And over this extended matter of time, over about six-week period. And so history is replete in regards to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, most churches, or many, are disobedient to the teaching of Jesus and telling people about the kingdom. Do you not know the primary teaching of the New Testament was that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not just future. We're all waiting, oh, as soon as I can get to heaven. My, oh, I'm just waiting to get to heaven to be in the kingdom of, the kingdom of God is now. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Too many people are trying to wait to get to heaven when God's kingdom was already ushered in with Christ. Five minutes and I'll be done for today. The disciples, after having their hopes dashed with the death of Jesus, have a now new outlook on life. And the imperative in the instructions given by Jesus is most important. When Jesus presented himself to his disciples during this time and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive, this was vital for them in their hope as well as in their obedience. The fact that Christ showed himself actually inspired, their, inspired them and spurned them onto obedience. Most people are not willing to die for a known lie. 
If the disciples were in hiding and if they were following the lie, they'd be very reluctant to give their life. But something happened between the death and the resurrection of Jesus that transformed them in such a way to where almost all of the disciples are martyred. You've got to believe something to be true if you're willing to give your life for it. You don't just go die and just take my life. No. Shots start finding out. You start ducking and running. I'm right there with you. I'm not wanting to get to heaven that soon. The Lord has not given me my body of immortality yet. I'm getting out the way. Somebody starts shooting on the freeway, I'm going to step on the gas or brakes or something. I'm doing something. Look out, anybody that's around me. Please don't be walking across the street because I ain't stopping. Tell you, in parts of Africa, you ain't got to be in trouble. Don't run across the street. You don't have the right of way. My sister and them went there, and they told me that they were dodging and running through mopeds and everything. Ten people on the moped stacked up. My goodness, going down the street. How do those people get on that moped? <laughs> Acts 1-4. Got a couple minutes. Let me get out of here. Acts 1-4, and it says in my Bible, she has it on the board, on one occasion while he was eating, with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. This is another convincing proof that he was alive. He told them that they were to stay in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. Understand that the giving of the Holy Spirit was never meant for the purpose of confining them to the borders of Jerusalem. They received instruction that they were to that it, that they were to wait for the anointing before they went. Today, people don't even know that what they're waiting for. But people today seem to be feeling like the spirit is moving me, is leading me. I need to say this. Sometimes I don't know what spirit might be leading you. When we say it's the spirit of the Lord has shown me things and he's leading me to this Sometimes it's because of how we're living. God may have sent some discipline, and we say, oh, the devil's on my back. It might be the Lord saying, no, I'm sending this so that you can clean it up. Amen. And we sometimes misread what the Lord God is, is, is himself doing. Amen. And so what we have is that we have a lack of discernment. And the lack of discernment means that we will misdiagnose our problem. If you have the discernment of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. That's his job, all truth. And so therefore, if we misread what the Holy Spirit is saying, we're going to misdiagnose what the situation is. And finally, hear me say this. The Holy Spirit's job, he gives us power to carry out the Great Commission. If the Holy Spirit had not come to the disciples that we'll get to next time, they would not have been able to be empowered to go through what they went through. I don't care how much power your car has. I don't care if my brother's car that he's kind of playing with carries, can, can, is pushing 500 horses. If he sits there in park 
and rev the engine, eight hours later, he's going to be in the same place. I don't care what kind of power you got in your car. If you never put it in drive, you're not moving. And today, many in the church have parked themselves and won't put the car in park and drive to go. The commission was you wait, you get empowered, you get taught, then you go. People have come, got power, got instruction, and they stayed. And God said that's not the case. Let me end. We're going to pick up here next time. We're going through Acts. It's going to get heavy through here, y'all. It's, it's get, it gets heavy through here because one of the things that God is serious about, there are souls that need to be saved. There's lives that have to be transformed. And the enemy is busy, not sleeping, trying to tear down what God has built up. And so this is serious business. If we are always waiting, some people are saying, I'm going to do that. Sometimes it's five, ten years have passed. Oh, Lord, where has the time gone? The men. I have to say, I'm glad that my father, when he finds it, because we've been, been talking for a long time. I know some people say, when are you going to finally, you know, do something? And, but when the men finally started meeting, and I came after they started meeting, I came later on. And, but you know something that's really interesting to me? Is that we're trying to implement, and even though they don't, hadn't known this, we hadn't talked about it in this way, Matthew 28, the Great Commission that says go. We talked about it. We have a commission here also in Acts. But when we went out a couple of weeks ago and sat down at the house of a couple of the guys that we wrote on the, paper, on the sheet and sat down to try to encourage them and work with them and let them know, we have a list of guys that we're going to meet. The issue is that we have to go and we have to do the work that God calls us to do because if we don't go, who's going for us? Part of the ministry. So one of the things I'm going to say this, there are going to be some Wednesdays that we're going to go for 30 to 40 minutes, we're going to make a list, and we're going to go to some people's houses, sit down and pray and talk with them, come back to the church. That's something the Lord has placed on my heart. We've done that before. But we're going to begin to look at how do we implement and carry out this great commission that the Lord has called us to do. It's not a matter of having to go and spend a whole lot. It's a matter of saying, we miss you. We love you. Can we pray for you? How can we encourage you? Going is everybody's responsibility. That's a part of the body of Christ that's been called, that's saved. Remember this. The call is to the elect. The call is to the body of Christ. I want you to bow your head as we end. I want you to take just an inventory over the next minute before we end of your life. And I want you to think of the excuses that we've made or you've made or whoever. I've made, I've made plenty. That says, how come I'm not carrying out or doing what God has called me to do? Some of you may say it's my understanding or lack thereof. I don't have this. Some may say that I just don't get it. Some may say that I've got other things to do. Some may say I'm so tired when it comes to this time. Whatever the situation, what is on your list? Now, some may be in Bible studies, other places, that's fine. But what's on your list? What's, if you're not somewhere... Then the question is, why? 
But also the question is, never? If, if, Lord, can I, is there sometimes I could, I could begin to look at God? Am I, am I preparing myself? Am I, am I being taught? And, and then am I, pre- am I preparing to go? But sometimes when we're not challenged, we become very complacent and very comfortable. When I say not challenged, I mean in the sense to where I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it. I'm challenging us today. For those who know the Lord, those that I am a part of this ministry, my question is, Lord, as I, as I began to go through this study with Pastor Marcus, and, and, am I going to rise to the challenge or am I going to make excuse of why not? It's too far. I've got things to do. If the pastor is expected to be here, and I don't get to go home until 9 o'clock, if I have to be at work at 7 or 8 or 8 or 9, whatever time I get there, <laughs> and then can't go back home, and I live here, I'm saying, okay, are there times when this person or these people or this, what, what do we need to do to say, Lord, I'm going to do it? But I tell you this, when I get to the pearly gates, I want every reward that God has. If we're looking for that reward that God has for us, then we've got to say, am I willing to give my best? Does God deserve my best? The best that God had was Jesus Christ. And he didn't spare him. And he willingly came. I'm thinking, my goodness, if Jesus came, gave his best, there's a song that says 99 and a half won't do. That's a high number, 99 and a half. What percentage are you at? Today, Lord, there's a challenge before us. And when we look at the word of God in Acts and Luke, the Bible says that Luke investigated carefully all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And he told his disciples, Lord, that they were to remain in Jerusalem until the power of God had been given. And then they were to go. Today, Lord, the commission has not changed. The instructions has not changed. And so the question, Lord, for us is, are we going to be faithful to the call of Christ? Are we going to say, Lord, I'm not going to just talk about what I see as a problem. I'm going to be involved in helping to change it. And so, Lord, start with me in my life right now. I'm letting the past be the past, and from this day I'm going to start walking in newness of life and in obedience to the word of God. We recognize that the church started with a handful, but, Lord, did it spread. And today we are the recipients of what happened over 2,000 years ago. In your marvelous plan of salvation, you laid it out, the Bible says, where there be found faithfulness on the earth. Today, Lord, stir us to action, not complacency. May we be motivated in this day and hour. We give you glory. We give you praise and thank you in Jesus' name. The Bible says, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So let it be.